Hello and welcome to The Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here today with Pat Abendroth. And I do want to report after last week's episode, if you haven't caught it yet, I'm okay. My tongue's working. Everything's fine. And I think we're going to be in a safe environment with no hot sauce today here on The Pactum. It's just going to be a boring old episode with no espacy on The Pactum. (laughs) But thanks for caring, guys. I do appreciate it. I've heard that there are those inquiring. They are. They're very concerned about you, Mike. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, you need to get in touch with your inner Pactum and listen to episode 66. You You know, this this reminds me of like the church growth tactics. You, You always have to try to outdo yourself. Yeah. So one week we have chips and That's salsa, right. and then we have a special Mountain Dew. And then on days like today, we're just drinking coffee. And what do you got over there? Uh, Coke, Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard because what you win them with, you keep them with. Yep. So maybe we should just start making things up. We could. So we'll get, I'll pa- pass the caviar, Mike. Yes. Uh, is, caviar. What, what kind of caviar is this? Is this special? Um, <laughs> Some kind of it's, uh... ru- Russian disinformation <laughs> <Right>. caviar. <laughs> it's uh, slimy. I don't know. I've never, I've never had caviar. Have you? Uh, I think I probably have. Oh, yuck. I don't, I don't, no thanks. All right. Okay. So what's going on in the news before we start talking? Oh, actually, before we get to in the news today, we are talking about pietism. We are talking about pietism yep. here on episode 67. We are. And I think pietism is what's wrong with America. I think it's America. <laughs> I think it's what's wrong with the church. It's what's, what's wrong with evangelicalism. It reminds me of that. Oh, that quote. Is it a meme? Is it a gif? What, I, what is it? The R.C. Sproul quote. What's where, wrong where, with you people? What's, what's wrong what's with wrong you, you people? people? And yeah. everybody uses that in Christianity, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I think what's wrong with you people, in one word, it's pietism. I think you're right. So we are going to be talking about that. And if we were more pious, which is good, I think we wouldn't have pietism, mm. which is to be avoided. So I think we can include this in our Help from the Heretic series. Sure. What do you think? Is pietism I, heresy or is it just a bad it's, thing? Uh, it's a bad thing. I mean, it might be... Related to some things in the heresy category. That's what I think. But yep. yeah, maybe this is like an appendix or a, you know, see appendix A. Th- things for... that need to be removed. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. What's wrong? It's pietism. I, I, pietism is just like the, the, the catch all. Oh yeah. That's bad. It's pietism. Yeah. Uh, that, that person, they're, oh, they're pietists. That's pietism. All right. Anything in the news before we talk about pietism? We're California dreaming. We're heading out West Coast later this week, May 13th and 14th, 2022, for those of you listening in the future. Right. Uh, we're going and to And maybe be, in 2023 we'll be doing it as well. Hey, you never know, right? But the dates will be slightly different. Right. It'll be the 14th and 15th. Right. We'll be at the Ligonier Regional Conference in Escondido, California this coming weekend, May 13th, 14th, 2022. Yeah, Excited so to be there? Good. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're you're, you're a Wednesday morning person just itching to listen to the Pactum, right. you can still book your flight, fly Plenty on Thursday time. and get there. But yep. If you are going to be in the area, we we would love to connect with yeah. you. Say, hey, do the secret handshake. The Pactum Shake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anything man. else? I don't know anything else. Okay, let's, let's do pietism. So what in the world is pietism? Well, in seeking to answer that question, Mike and I, because we love you, mm-hmm. and we're trying to show you some Pactum love, we've been watching videos and I listening have. to lectures and reading articles. 
So in reading an article by Mark Knoll in the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, he highlights some of the features, and they could be positive features, at least at first, of pietism. Things like renewal, scripture, being positive, not negative, not judgmental, the priesthood of all believers, being opposed to cold orthodoxy, uh, being experiential, and being practical. Sounds pretty good, right? Right? It it sounds really good on its face. And that's not a list that he gives, but when I read the article, I thought, okay, really? These are sure. these are some of the highlights. Sure. They give us some talking points. Right. So sounds really good at first blush, but before you buy into Pietismville, <laughs> like a timeshare, huh? right? Before you buy into the timeshare in the land of Pietismville, hard to say. Before you do that, we probably need to read the fine print on the contract because you might not want to buy into it. Sure, yeah. Fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so maybe what we should do, Mike, is look at that list. So we have seven points on on that list of gleanings about pietism. We think pietism is bad, even though it sounds good at first. Right. Uh, Maybe the, how do they say, what's that saying? The cure is worse than the disease. Mm, Maybe that's one way to look at it. Before we do that, before we talk about it, let's talk about origins. Yes. Not origin, but origins. (laughs) Where where in the world, if we talk about history, does pietism come from? How do you say that guy's last name? (laughs) I have to think about it way too hard. Spainer. Spainer. Which makes me, I think of Ned Schneebly. Right. It's kind of like saying his name. Spainer. Right. And we were going to guess on how to say his name, but we listened to some German people speaking English, and they said Spainer. 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 So we're going to say it that way as well. But I have it written down from that resource by Mark Knoll as S-P-E-N-E-R. Uh-huh. But I think uh, the sophisticates, they say Spainer. Spainer. It's a fancy way of... Pronouncing it's it's not in our hooked on phonics stuff, you know. We it's got not here. there. So you know what? We may be saying it incorrectly, but sophisticated people say it that way. And it sounds cooler, you know. Spainer. Yeah. So he was a German pastor. Uh, he's considered by many to be the father of Pietism. Yep. Uh, he pastored in sixteen. 16- 66, that's mm. kind of easy to remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he was the senior minister in Frankfurt. Yes. So that's who we're talking about. He's credited with this. Obviously, there's nothing new under the sun. But as far as what people say or, or who people say the father of pietism is, right. uh, it's him. He wants reforms in the church. He wants to make things better, at least from his perspective in the church. So it leads to this movement eventually. Yep. He was a confessional Lutheran, right. but he doesn't stay confessional. Right. Um, so this is not something that's inherent to Lutheranism. Right, right, right. But he was a Lutheran, and then he's going to move away from Luther. Right. Uh, we don't think Luther would have approved of what Spainer did. Spainer did, no, no. Um, he definitely drifts. Yeah. But, so when you're talking about the origins, though, it seems to have originated moving out of the Lutherans back in the 1600s. True. Let's, let's fix Lutheranism right, is yeah. what they were trying to do. But yeah. really, we think they probably broke it. Yeah, absolutely. So, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, it doesn't stop there. And there's there's more, more, right? Wait, there's more. So how about, how about other people that know names as far as pietism? We think it's alive and well in evangelicalism. We think pretty much if it's unbiblical and problematic, you could probably say it's pietism. So, <laughs> but, but at least according to Noel, he goes on to say, we're going to see this in people like John Wesley yeah, yeah. because he's influenced by the Moravians, 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 Moravians. those guys too, yeah. the Moravians, <laughs> uh, right? So, 
in his on his voyage to Georgia, 1735, Wesley's exposed to this whole thing. He eventually is going to take it back to England. Right. So it's going to yep. be in America. It's going to be in England. So also it comes to America in Lutheranism via someone named Mullenberg, not Scott not Mullenberg. Scott Mullenberg Sc- is it? Shout out to you, Scott. Scott. Part of the Pactum verse. Different. No relation, I no, think okay. he would say. Right. right. Also influences the Mennonites, the brethren. Noel even says the Dutch reformed in early America. Mm. Also Cotton Mather, the Puritan in America. And we definitely see it in the so-called Great Awakening, et cetera, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Oof, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. And so now even today you see it in today's evangelicalism. What's wrong with you you people? What's wrong with you people? Right? Man, (laughs) come on. Okay, so let's go back to the features. Let's do one feature at a time. Okay. And I think as we do so, let's acknowledge there's something good about saying, hey, let's reform things. There's something good about saying, uh, let's bring renewal. Right, yeah. Because sometimes pastors do the wrong things. Sometimes churches do the wrong things. But oftentimes these corrections are worse than the problem to begin with. Yeah. So the first one of those features, again, is renewal. So if something needs renewing, I think it sounds pretty good. I like renewal. Yeah, that's uh, good. If something seems dead, if something seems sleepy, maybe we need to wake it up. Sure. Um, perfectly fine to do that. Say, hey, let's breathe some new life into this whole thing. But at the same time, what if it doesn't need any renewing? Right. So as we talk about renewal, really what we're doing is we're defining pietism because sure. pietism by definition is uh, seeking renewal. They're trying to find, they're trying to breathe life back into the church because they think the church needs life. So pietism, piety is good. It means godliness, Sure, but pietism is trying to, to seek renewal within the church, bring life back into the church, bringing, oh, what's the word, you know, renewed spirituality uh, into the church. So that's what we mean by pietism. So piety, good. It means godliness, um, spirituality in a good sense, but pietism is somehow trying to make the church something we we would say artificially breathe life back into the church, bring renewal, even if it doesn't even necessarily need it. Right. Yep. This reminds me of the episode we did episode 16 called ordinary means. Right. So a lot of times pietism is contra ordinary means, right? We're fine. We're doing fine. We didn't need a revival sermon to come because we were already alive. We were doing church quote unquote, the way we wanted to, Uh, We weren't a dead church. We didn't need your help, Mr. Revivalist Preacher. Um, And now you're just confusing people in our church with all this crazy, newfangled, made-up, pietistic kind of stuff. Uh, Emotionalism. So renewal is good if you need renewing. (laughs) But what's the answer? Is the answer emotionalism? Is the answer something extra biblical? You have to have this super high-end experience. When in reality, God seems to work through the normal, right? Um, yeah, ordinary means of grace kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, they're also under renewal. We can still talk about the same uh, point. Number one, feature number feature number feature. one would be there came a new stress with Pietism, German Pietism, Lutheran Pietism early on. Mm-hmm. New stress on regeneration. Yes. Now, do yeah. we do we like regeneration? Regeneration is fantastic, great, right? excellent, so wonderful. It sounds good. We like regeneration. We must have regeneration. But in pietism, it was, we have to stress the new birth and uh, think in terms even of when people don't have a super shiny, fancy, exotic Christian testimony. Yeah. Their story about conversion isn't so amazing. I grew up in the church and basically the church, you know, pointed me to Christ my whole life. Right. And they nurtured me as opposed to demanded that I have this kind of crazy ecstatic kind of 
conversion experience. Right. Yeah. So that that's what was going on in Pietism. Re, they stressed regeneration, and it, that could be a good stress. Yes. But in a way that it, you have to have new life, and you have to have this crisis experience. And interestingly enough, according to historians, they ended up downplaying, therefore, the doctrine of justification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't have assurance without the fancy testimony. Right. But that robs people of the assurance they should have had, and Luther would have wanted them to have, right. from sola fide. Yeah. That God declares you righteous based upon your trust in Christ, not based upon your shiny testimony. Sure. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think this is this is something that's still alive and well today. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a second feature. So thinking through some features of pietism here on the episode today. Second one is scripture. And here you're gonna see What's not to love. <laughs> We're liking that. We think that's right? a that's a big one. They're gonna they're gonna really focus on the Bible. Right. All right. That that's good. We, we, sign me up. I'm a pietist. Yes, absolutely. However, the fine print says oh, there you before go. you sign up and buy that Pietistville timeshare, <laughs> is you've got there's a there's an emphasis I here. Think Pietyville. Pietyville. Pietyville Ooh, sounds kind of better. Pietismville. Yeah, Piety. Pietyville almost sounds like it's gonna be um maybe in a horror movie. Mm. Like Alfred Hitchcock. It could be. Pietyville. Pietyville. Hmm. Resident <laughs> of Pietyville. <laughs> okay. So with this feature. Mike's, Mike's not buying it. Eh, packed him first. I don't know. He's not buying it at all. I tolerate sometimes, right? Yep. Okay. So scripture, <laughs> scripture. But, in, but in what sense? Right. Well, here there's going to be an emphasis now moving away from the preaching of God's word on the gathering, the Sunday morning gathering of the body of Christ here, now moving into a emphasis and overemphasis really of a personal Bible study and small groups being of the first importance, being the the really what we want to focus on. Those things are not wrong. They're not bad. They're good, right? Right. But if you really want to know where the action is yeah. in pietism, it's That's all it's of, the lifeblood of the churches in the small groups, small group Bible study. It's you, you and Jesus and maybe your friends. Right. Yeah. That's so, where church happens. That's right. Right. In the small group. What we want to do is say, it's true. You want to meditate on scripture. You want to hide God's word in your heart so that you would not sin against him, as the psalmist says. Uh-huh. All for it. Yes. So it sounds good, except we have to remember that God does call for the preaching of his word in the corporate assembly by the man of God who right. is equipped and able and competent, who meets the qualifications, not because he's special in and of himself, yeah. but the preaching of the word of God actually is special. Right. Yeah. And God has ordained those ordinary means to be extraordinary in our lives. Right. Yeah. Uh, even if there are no explosions or smoke machines. <laughs> Pietism. Pietism. <laughs> So what happened in pietism is preaching, church, sacraments, baptism, Lord's Supper, yeah, that's all fine. But really where it, where it happens is when you're alone with God or alone with six of your friends right. kind of thing, right. and uh, God is speaking to you in that setting more significantly. Radical or the extreme pietists, so if pietism weren't already bad enough, um, extreme pietists, they're just going to say, we don't need church at all. Yeah, uh, we right. don't need the sacraments. We don't need yeah. those things. We're just going to do our own thing, and we actually do still have that sort of thing today. Right? Yes. Yeah, we do. So I think what we need to do in Christianity and biblical Christianity, as we're recovering some of these important doctrines that were rediscovered at the time of the Protestant Reformation, things yeah. like that, uh, we need to make sure we have a good, robust, high view of what happens on the Lord's Day. Yeah, uh, it is extraordinary, even though it's ordinary. It is unique. Uh, and I, w- I want to have a better and clearer and more, I guess, just a higher view of 
Sunday and yeah. what happens sure, uh, with yeah. God's people. It's not just a big Bible study with more people than normal. Right. There's something unique and special, even in light of Hebrews chapter two and the Lord attending, uniquely attending the service of his people. So that that's important for us. It doesn't mean we don't it doesn't mean we don't go do personal Bible study. Right. Right. Um, right. But I don't want to lose the vision, if you will, of church. Right. And what it's about. Yep. Okay, keeping rolling along here, let's lighten things up and be more positive. <laughs> that's a, the, that's the next feature would be positive. positivity. Yeah. We, we've got to be positive. Let's be positive. And what's going on is people were a little bit fed up, maybe even legitimately so with some preachers, yeah. but they're fed up with hearing about the controversies. Yeah, yeah. So why does my Lutheran pastor have to keep criticizing the Catholics? And why does he have to keep criticizing the Reformed? Yeah. Why all the debates about things like theology? Yeah, we got to go man. deep into the pool about, about, about theology and justification sanctification versus sanctification or how they relate to to each other and all of these sorts of things. And you know what? Surely sometimes pastors are all about what they're against and sometimes maybe their soapbox isn't such a good soapbox. Right. Yeah. Maybe some of the pastors really were mean-spirited and cantankerous. <laughs> Uh, but again, the solution is worse than the problem. If you say, we don't want to talk about theology anymore, right? We yeah. don't want to be negative. Yeah. Let's remember that Galatians, the wonderful book about the fruit of the spirit, <laughs> which is a wonderful book about the fruit of the spirit, but right. you might want to read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And we wouldn't learn all of the wonderful things about the fruit of the spirit, like love, if it weren't for the context of controversy. Right. There is the anathema in Galatians chapter one for those who deny sola fide, justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Uh, never mind the fact that we want to learn about how God's grace is wonderful and salvation in Christ is wonderful. So to God alone be the glory. Yeah. And if we don't understand the wonder of his grace, we won't give him all of the glory. Yeah. So be positive. Yeah. But you actually have to be negative sometimes. Uh, and, Come to find out, the pietists were pretty darn divisive. Yeah. So let's be positive about God's truth and therefore all that opposes it we're against. <laughs> it's a both and, people. It's a both and. Right. All right, moving right along in our positive episode here on pietism. <laughs> I'm positive about piety on the pactum because my name is Pat. And there you go. <laughs> The fourth of our features about pietism, priesthood of all believers. That sounds, sounds good. Sounds yeah, good. Let's emphasize, up, right? let's emphasize the laity of the church and not have it just be about the guy, not yeah. just about the clergy, not just about those who are in authority. There's something true about that. Yes, there is. Yeah. Right? We yeah. have spiritual gifts in the church. No one has all the spiritual gifts. We need each other. So we yep. need the one another's in our life. Yep. Pastors need people who aren't pastors and vice versa. But it is vice versa, mm -hmm. right? Yes. We, do, we actually do need the man of God to preach the word of God to us yes. because that's the way God has ordained things. Yes. So we want everyone to be involved, but we do have to keep offices because the Bible emphasizes offices. So, Mike, have you ever heard that phrase, every member a minister? It sounds familiar. Oh, it does. Okay. <laughs> I think I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you think that's, an, that's a good statement or not, or is that pietism? It sounds very pietistic to me. Oh, I think in one sense, I could nuance it. So, you, Well, I mean, sure. Every we, member, a minister. It, sure. But yes. if minister means officer of the church, the answer is no. <laughs> but if minister means servant, anyway, I'm just trying to nuance it and make it sound this, good. This is why I'm not a pietist, because I tend towards the negative, not the positive. There, there, right? there, there you go. <laughs> 
So here at the church where we pastor, um, we do want people involved and we do want yes, people yeah. serving. Um, but there, is, there are offices and there's a distinction in that sense. Yep. Part of this too is um, in the reform tradition, it's okay for people to do things outside of the life of the church. Yeah. And to spend time with unbelievers and to do other things outside of the context of ministry. And uh, it seemed like there is a tendency in pietism to have, you're, you're so devoted to the Lord that all you do is Bible stuff. Mm, yeah. So it becomes kind of an ascetic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas we want Christians to act like Christians all of the time, but we're not always doing quote unquote church ministry. Sure. Yeah. We're doing other things as well. So maybe that comes into play a little bit. That's also. How many times can I say alive and well? Alive and well. That is also alive and well today where somehow it's all about church and everything revolves around that. When in actuality, church is really, really important, but we're actually doing other things as we're loving our neighbors in our community, doing our whatever it is we do. Yeah. All right. Fifth, we have seven of these. We're making our way through. Fifth, one of these features of pietism, it is opposed to cold orthodoxy. Oh, so the solution is warm heresy. (laughs) Yeah, Harry and the heretics, Harry and the heretics. right? And they have some because that fur, yeah. right? They have yeah. they have warm heresy <laughs> is what they have. So of course we're against cold hearted. You know we're not into it orthodoxy, but we can cross all of our T's and dot our I's. Rea- the reality is I haven't met very many people who are actually orthodox and um, who are cold about it. Sure, yeah. I, I'm most excited about the things I learned that are true. Yeah. But in Pietism, we end up you know, handed down from pietism. Today we have all kinds of statements like head knowledge versus heart knowledge. Oh, yes. This takes us back to oh. what, what was the series we did? Um, Evangelic Kitsch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Evangelic yeah. Kitsch, a lot of those statements are very pietistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So head knowledge versus heart, heart knowledge, knowledge yeah. deeds, not creeds, no creed but Christ, relationship, not a religion, pietism, 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 pietism. I tell you, hey, it gives you all those warm fuzzies, that warm heresy. It's very, <laughs> very true. <laughs> it's pietism. So we want to be warm. We want to be into it. We want to be on fire yeah. about things. Hey, there we go. Right? Yeah. But it's not about emotionalism. Um, just because I'm right. expressing myself in a certain way uh, doesn't mean my heart's not in it. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we're not trying to crank up or make up some kind of religious emotional experience that's going to go away in five minutes as soon as you walk out the door. Uh, Pietism doesn't work. Pietism doesn't stick. Um, The truth does. So let's not be cold hearted, but at the same time, let's not somehow, what's the word? Try to engineer some kind of emotional religious experience, which we could do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely possible. Guilty of doing it in my Former, former, Uh-oh. former years. Been Uh-oh. there, done that. Speaking of this whole business of we want to, we want our hearts into it. We want emotion involved. Mm-hmm. We want our affections, affections. involved. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of our conversation earlier today on the Pactum when we were talking about justification. Yes, and Pietism having a weak view of justification, a weak understanding of yep. justification. Yep. And now we're talking about being emotional. Now we're talking about our affections. Mm. Who's been in the news lately about this? Hmm. John Piper. Oh. <laughs> Just so you all know, here on the Pactum, Mike Grimes I brought it called up. him out, not me. I brought I, I it didn't, up. I'm I didn't, raising my hand. I, I did didn't it. set up the question. Right I didn't lead him down that road <laughs> at all. 
<laughs> so if you've not read the review of John Piper's book uh, that's posted on the Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. by a Pactumverse member, Harrison actually. Harrison Perkins. Hey, Harrison, good, great job on that article. We're thankful for it. Make sure you post some more selfies with your Pactum gear on in, in London. We need some more of those. Right. But if you've not read that review, we suggest that you do. What is Saving Faith is a book by John Piper. And uh, Harrison does a great job pointing out the fact that the classic traditional way of understanding faith uh, is not to have it include affections. Affections are good. We want that to accompany. We want it to result. But we don't want to front load faith or fill it up with affections because now we're sounding like we're part of a different religion right. other than Protestant Reformed Christianity. Right. Fair enough? Fair enough. Okay, let's be strong on justification. Let's not be pietistic. Right. Um, even if we don't realize it's, we're, that's what we're doing. Yes. Num- are we on number six? We're Mike? on number six. Okay. Experiential. This is the part where you say, what is God saying to you? Oh. Right? We're going to get together in the small group, small group. and yep. we're going to say, how does that verse make you feel? Yeah. Well, here's how it makes me feel. Yeah. Or here's what God said. Here's what it means to me. Here's Here's what what God is saying to me as I read this verse. So it's experiential in that way. So how do you feel about that verse? How does it make you feel? How is God speaking to you right now? It's inner light, inner voice, extraordinary kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We're, we, we are supernaturalists as Christians. Yes, Even if yes. we're cessationists who don't think we're apostles mm-hmm. and we think we're living in a time that's unique and different from the time of the Acts of the Apostles, right. we are supernaturalists. We want God to lead us and to guide us absolutely to convict us. Yes. Um, but just stop shy at least of saying <laughs> God told me. Yes. Yeah. So we episode 35. Episode 35. God Take told me, check it out, because we don't like pietism. Right. Pietism does not seem to jive with biblical, authentic Christianity. Right. Yep. There's just a lot of emphasis on subjective things yep. when you think of pietism. That's a good way to put really. it. Really. Subjective versus the objective. Let's get personal with our feelings and be warm and fuzzy, but be nice. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and sub, God gave us feelings. Feelings are important. Yes. But we, we first and foremost say, okay, what does the Bible say? What does it mean by what it says? And then we are going to talk about, okay, does this somehow affect the way I think? Should I change my theology? Should I change my behavior? Those are fair questions to ask, but it's not immediate direct revelation to us. And right. in pietism, you kind of get that vibe. Yeah, you do. When I first became a Christian and I was a college student, I would go to these Bible studies and I loved it because they took the Bible seriously and they were trying to study the Bible, but I was so intimidated. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. there'd be somebody who'd say, well, you know, I was having my quiet time pietism. (laughs) I was having my quiet time and the Lord spoke to me and I just thought that's not happening in my life. Yeah. You start, man, you start to feel so bad. Well, and that too, I mean, you start surveying your own life and next thing you know, I don't think I'm saved. I ain't got no pietism. I just believe in justification by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone and uh, that kind of stuff. Right. So it's it's mystical. So we're dabbling into mysticism, kind yeah. of asceticism. We're going to be different from everybody and act differently and talk differently and avoid unbelievers. So, yeah, yeah we want to avoid the whole experiential in this particular way, in this particular sense. Right. Right? Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're doing number seven Last now. Last one, number seven on our list of features of pietism. Can we get practical with this one? <laughs> 
Yes, we can. It's oh, practical. Oh, number seven hey. is practical. practical. So don't make the sermon about doctrine. Make it about my life. Make yep. it about parenting or diaper changing. Did they have diapers back in the 1600s? Probably. I have no idea. They would have been reusable ones. They would, yes, they would have been washing those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so please, Pactum Verse... <laughs> Folks, please don't send us links on the history of uh, diapers. diapers. No, I don't want to. Know. Uh, it just we doesn't have a good, It doesn't pass the smell test. <laughs> <laughs> let's not do that. But th- let's make everything practical. Right. So somehow yeah. Christianity is all about me living a certain way. Tell me how to live. Right. Give Pas- me the how-tos. How-to, pastor, tell me how to live in your sermon. Uh, give me the practical, how I'm supposed to, supposed to do things every day. Yeah. How, yeah. I'm, how I'm supposed to grow spiritually, other than what the Bible says to me. So this actually becomes quite problematic. Yeah. Um, I think this is where we end up getting something like the spiritual disciplines movement mm. that we even have. Sure, yeah. And some of the things they say in the spiritual disciplines movement are fine and good because yeah. they're directly what the Bible says. Right. And yet, at the same time, they're they're... They become legalistic. Okay, sure. I need yeah. practical. Okay, Pat, here's what you do every day of your Christian life. I can help you because I'm a pietist, yeah. and I can tell you what you need to do. You need to be journaling, and you need to have quiet times, and you need to be fasting on these days, even though the Bible doesn't say you need to be. Right. And the list goes on and on and on. Um, I just pulled a book here, as a matter of fact, on this, and it says, Mike, I don't know if you know this or not, but you should as a Christian. Okay. Uh, tongue in cheek, um, you should be having a time of silence and solitude. Hmm. So you might want to try to find that in the New Testament. Um, Give me some silence and solitude. Right? That's a spiritual discipline. Well, that sounds super practical. Sure. So, Mike, tomorrow what I want you to do is find a special place in your yard, your driveway, your home, and I want you to have <laughs> a time of silence and solitude. and solitude. And the implication is, Mike, if you don't do this, I'm being practical, but... Translation, I'm being legalistic. Right, if you don't. Because if you don't, and I'm telling you it's biblical, you're, not being, you're not being very godly. Right. So if you do need a proof text, by the way, the book says, will you seek daily times of silence and solitude? Mm. Mm. I already feel convicted. Mm. Right? I mean, by asking the question. <laughs> and then it says, here, here's, the, here's the proof why you should. Okay. When Solomon's temple was erected, Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it says, quote, no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. End of quote, First Kings chapter 6, verse 7. There you go. <laughs> See, the Bible, I, the Bible is practical. Makes complete sense. The Bible is super <laughs> practical because <laughs> of that verse from First Kings chapter 6, verse 7. It's proof, Mike Grimes, that you Quiet. need to have spiritual disciplines in your life. And one of those disciplines <laughs> is silence and solitude. Well, if I'm going to have God speak to me, I need that <laughs> quiet and solitude. So, Pactum verse I'm listeners, we want you to see that as the shenanigans that it, that it is. Yeah. It's pietism, yeah. and uh, it's well-meaning, no doubt. And maybe you personally find it very helpful yeah, to, yeah. Be, to get away from it all. Right. Sounds good. Enjoy getting away from it all yes. and maybe praying and maybe reading your Bible. These are good things yes. to do. We're not saying in any of this that you shouldn't do something. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> but don't use the Bible that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't use um, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7 that way, please. Right. You should also know that this is oftentimes this, this is where theological liberalism comes from. Yeah. Uh, so we don't believe the doctrines anymore. We don't believe that all of these things are critical and important and that the Bible, first and foremost, is about Jesus. Hmm. 
And the Bible doesn't tell you a lot of the other stuff you need to know about life because it doesn't. Yeah. That's why we learn from the ant in yep. Proverbs. Right, right. And so, yeah, the Bible's practical, but first and foremost, the Bible is about Christ. And you know what? Your greatest problem in life is solved. Yes. Uh, read yes. Romans 5. That's why the doctrine of justification is so important. Yeah. You, can, you can face anything because your biggest problem, whose name is God, yeah. uh, is solved because there's no longer any condemnation for you. Yeah. Mm. So Good. That, that, that's practical, but let's stop trying to make the Bible answer all of our questions and guide everything in our life. We want God to do that. We pray, we ask for guidance, we ask for help. Um, but this whole overemphasis, let's say, on practicality is pietism. Yes, it is. So I plan to preach my next sermon at church uh, here. I don't even know what the next text is going to be off the top of my head. <laughs> and I imagine it has zero life application. <laughs> I imagine there is there is zero practicality to it. It probably has to do with Jesus. <laughs> I, I would think it will. And it probably has to do with why you need to trust in him uh, and why he's a great savior who's mighty to save. And joking aside, that's super practical. That is practical, um, right? That's super practical. Okay, so piety, good. Piety is good. Piety, good. It means godliness. Yep. Pietism, bad. Bad. Yep. Pretty cl- that's practical. That is practical. We're practical here on the Pactum. We are practically <laughs> pietists. We're so practical. Oh, piety, man. good, right? Godliness is important. Romans chapter 6. So yep. we're not denying godliness. Romans 6 is telling us we're united to Christ, united with Christ. We died. We've been raised with him unto newness of life. All of that's super good and important. Lots to say about piety in the Bible, uh, but pietism seems to be a bad look. Any resources we can recommend today, Mike? Yeah, we have some resources that we can mention for you. We'll post these in the show notes. We have a video lecture uh, that is called Lutheran Pietism by Ryan Reeves. Helpful. I think that one's not much longer than 30 minutes or so. A helpful video uh, just working through and walking through some of these things we've been talking about here. I think that's a good primer or primer, primer whichever one primer, you would yes, prefer. On Spainer. Another resource, if you have a copy of the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, you can look at their short article on pietism. That's the one by Mark Knoll. By Mark Knoll that we mentioned at the earlier at the beginning of the podcast. I like that resource. I use it a lot, actually. You do. Yep, you do. Use it a lot. Uh, also on the Heidel blog, our Scott Clark has some helpful stuff on pietism. You can find it on the Heidelblog.net. We'll link to that as well. And you know who else has a real beef with pietism? It's our who? friends over on Theocast. Oh, they do. That's right. Uh, yes. They've got some good stuff and some helpful things on pietism. So we can link to some of those things, or you can just Google search Theocast right. and you can find it. You, yep. Well, we want to thank you for being a part of our pietism podcast here on the Pactum with Pat and Mike. So thanks for joining us. You can find us <laughs> online on Twitter, on Instagram, all those places. You can be emailing us, connect at thepactum.org. Piety we'll see- good, pietism bad. That's right. We'll see you here next time on... The Pactum.